Welcome to the Checkpoint Charlie podcast. I'm your host, Charlie James. Make sure you like and subscribe and share this podcast to all of your wonderful, wonderful friends. And while you're at it, make sure you tune in each weekday from 3 to 7 on News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas, for the Charlie James Show. I would certainly appreciate that. Well, there was a communist, um, an Italian communist named Antonio Gramsci, and he talked about the long march through the institutions. Now, what was he talking about here? Um, He was talking about how to make sure that communism infiltrated not only Italy, but also every country on the globe. Every single one, including the United States of America. And this has been the modus operandi of the communist, really since the communist began. Complete and total takeover, either through military means with war or through what Gramsci called the long, slow march through the institutions. And that is where we are right now. This is not something that is planned for the future. This is something that is happening right now before our very eyes. The long, slow march through the institutions. Now, that tells us one thing. They know that the march was going to be long, and they knew that it was going to be slow. But they were willing to do that. I said on the radio a couple days ago that evil is patient, if nothing else. Evil is patient, and communism is absolutely evil. We all know that. There hasn't been a a successful communist country that has ever been in existence where everybody can look to and say, well, you know, those are really good times because communism never brings good times. So where are we now? Well, if you just take a look at some of the things that have happened recently, remember Uh, During the George Floyd summer of violence that we had, remember the Capitol Heights Autonomous Zone? This was a microcosm of communism where uh, radicals took over sections of Portland, sections of Seattle and and other uh, liberal cities and roped them off and basically had their own little country. And like I said, it was a microcosm because they also had their little form of government, which was communism. But what the media never really picked up on was the rules that were imposed in these autonomous zones. These rules were actually more restrictive and more punitive than the rules outside the autonomous zone. But that's just how communism does. Because, you see, it's all about the revolution. And that's what Gramsci was talking about, the revolution. In his book, American Marxism, Mark Levin tells us that the revolution never ends. There is no sunset on the revolution. It is always in place. It is always moving forward. What are you revolting against? I don't know. But long live the revolution. That's just the way communism does. There always has to be a struggle. And as long as there is a struggle, then there is a need for communism. That's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) They're struggling against something, and they don't even know what they're struggling against. Because their, quote-unquote, leaders always tell them that their plight, their troubles, their poverty is always someone else's fault. It's never their fault. It's always someone else's fault. I remember Maduro down in in, in Venezuela. It was an amazing, amazing uh, visual moment. 
Maduro was telling the people in Venezuela that they had to tighten their belts. That's right. I know people are hungry in Venezuela, and I know people are eating out of uh, uh, dumpsters in Venezuela, and I know people are even eating their pets in Venezuela. But you, Venezuelans, you have to tighten your belts. And while he was making that statement, he reached over on his desk, and he picked up a beautiful empanada, and he took a big, healthy bite. Now, this was for a couple of reasons. Number one, it showed that he was the guy in power. He was the guy that got to eat every day. Not only did he get to eat, he got to eat delicious foods like empanadas. He wasn't digging through uh, dumpsters. He wasn't turning, uh, looking at his pets with a, a hungry eye. No, no, no. He was well fed. He was in charge. It was quite a statement. Mainstream media did not pick up on that for obvious reasons. So, so again, let's get back to where we are now. Because now the left, i.e. the communist, are really making their way through our institutions. We've already seen it in academia. That's been the number. Well, first of all, we've already seen it in politics. I mean, we've got active communists. I mean, look look at John Brennan. He is an active communist, and he was the head of the CIA. Go figure that one out, right? Communists have infiltrated the United States government in a big, big way. We've even got a communist party here in the United States. How about that? Bernie Sanders even calls himself a quote-unquote Democrat socialist, whatever that means. Uh, Socialist is the key word there, and Democrat, so you're actually being quite redundant. But again, communism is becoming normalized in America. Now, just think about all of the wars that we sent young men across the seas to fight to eradicate communism. And now it is accepted here in the United States. That alone boggles the mind, doesn't it? But it gets even worse than that. Okay, so we have got this long, slow march through the institutions. Again, they're in our government. We know they're there. They're certainly in our school systems. We know that. Everything from uh, kindergarten all the way up to Ph.D. programs in some of the most respected universities in all the land— you will find that the vast majority of the professors in these places are communist, or at least anti-capitalist, if you will. All the meanwhile, uh, making exorbitant salaries for their efforts. So they're teaching young kids, they're teaching these impressionable minds that communism is good and capitalism is bad. Again, the long, slow march through the institutions. So we've got government, we've got academia, and now it's even infiltrating our libraries or our libraries, as I like to call them, because I guess at some point uh, people were starting to wonder, you know, how do we really get all of these kids? I mean, how do we really ingrain our ideology into these kids' impressionable minds? Aha, I've got an idea. Let's go in and choose the books that they get to read. So now what are we seeing? We're seeing books like Ibram X. Kende. We're seeing other books, uh, uh, pornographic books in our libraries. And it's all got to do with the new, the new uh, cause celeb transgenderism, gender identity. That is so unbelievably important to the left right now that now they have to push it 
on your children. This is where we have to draw the line. Don't you ever wonder why it is so unbelievably important for the left to get to your kids? I mean, uh, remember when, when they just wanted trans people to be accepted or trans people to have rights or trans people to this? No, no, no. It's gone so far beyond that doubt. Now you have to accept transgenderism. You have to, because if you don't, you are a bigot. And if you don't want your children exposed to transgender ideology, then you are also a bigot. That's right. That's what they call you. I don't care what they call me. I know you don't either. But that's what they call you. You're a bigot. Oh, you don't want you don't want transgender library books in school. You're a bigot. And now the National Library Association and many other libraries all throughout the land, they are putting these books on transgender ideology in the children's sections of our libraries. This is for the kids to read. So then when parents simply make the suggestion, hey, I got an idea. Uh, why don't we put those in the adult section of the library? And then if a child wants to read it, they can go with their parents to read that. Oh, that is not good enough. Because you see, they don't want the parents to know that they're reading this stuff. They don't want that to happen. Even here in South Carolina, it's happening not only in our county libraries, but also in our school libraries. Just read a story of not long ago about down in the low country, there was some uh, reading assignments for the first day of school, which just started back, by the way. And some of the people that they are celebrating in these reading assignments were people like oh, Benjamin Franklin. Abraham Lincoln, um, Henry Ford, and Chaz Bono. Uh, yeah, you heard me right. Chaz Bono, the daughter of Cher and Sonny Bono. Or is it, yeah, the daughter of Cher, Cher and Sonny Bono, who was originally Chastity Bono, but now has transitioned into Chaz Bono. Now, what great accomplishments, just think about it for a minute, what great accomplishments has Chaz Bono ever really done? Anything? Any? Is there a Chaz Bono uh, charity? Is there a Chaz Bono foundation? Does Chaz Bono go into uh, impoverished neighborhoods and rebuild? Does uh, Chaz Bono start uh, community gardens? Does, no, none of that. Chaz Bono is just trans. That's all you need to be to, to, to be considered a, a hero in our society. You just have to be trans. Can I be gay? Nope, not good enough. How about lesbian? Nope, not good enough. You have to be trans. Trans is the new buzzword. I mean, look at Dylan Mulvaney, who was, uh, who, who, uh, what, I think he said about, yeah, it's a he. Uh, 500 days ago, he started this transition into girlhood. And now look what's happened. Basically become a household name. Of course, the folks at Bud Light regret ever hearing that name because their sales have plummeted after they put 
uh, Dylan Mulvaney on one of their beer cans and made Dylan Mulvaney one of the spokesmen because the advertising director at Bud Light said they wanted to get rid of the frat boy image of Bud Light. Well, how'd that work out for you? And then we've got, not only is it in our libraries, but it's also in our stores. Look at what happened to Target. Look at what happened to North Face. Look what happened to all of these companies who decided to go woke with the whole transgender ideology. But let's get back to the libraries. It's important. It's important for them to have these books in front of your children. Now, here in Greenville County, they're actually, in our Greenville County school system, they're actually looking for materials supervisors, somebody that will go in, look at the materials that are being presented to our children, and then make the determination about whether or not they are appropriate for the age that is being taught. Now, I will guarantee you, oh, by the way, before we get there, uh, if you will text the word Greenville School, Greenville, GVL School, GVL School to um, 71307. It will send you a link where you can apply to be one of those material supervisors if you're interested, because I will guarantee you there are going to be a lot of liberals that are going to be very interested in filling those positions. So we've got to get good conservatives on those boards, because if we don't, there's no telling what they're going to recommend to put in front of your children. I mean, that's nothing that I really want to happen. So we need conservatives to stand up. We need conservatives to start fighting. Now, I know you're willing to fight. I'm willing to fight. But what about, like, folks in our state legislature? Are they willing to fight? To fight? I mean, I remember it wasn't long ago when Nikki Haley was governor that Lee Bright put forward a bill. Remember the bathroom bill that was so big in North Carolina and they were talking about boycotting North Carolina and the Charlotte Hornets were blah, 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 because they said if you're a male, biological male, hate to use that word, but if you're a biological male, you use the men's bathroom. If you're a biological female, you use the women's bathroom and there will be no mixing of the genders. Well, under the Obama administration, this was a big no-no. That's that would not stand. So Lee Bright came up with this bill to stop this happening in South Carolina. It was vetoed by Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley said, we don't have that problem here in South Carolina. Oh, that's not very forward thinking of you, Miss Nikki Haley. Not at all, because we do have it now. In fact, gender ideology is codified in the law here in South Carolina. What law, you ask? The hate crimes bill, the hate crimes bill that was passed. And we talked about this in previous podcasts, but the hate crimes bill that was passed here in South Carolina actually states. Gender ideology as being one of the protected classes. So then, therefore, ipso facto, gender ideology is codified in South Carolina state law. Oh, boy. Don't you think the conservatives, so-called conservatives in our state house, would have stood up against this? But they didn't. They folded like a house of cards. Simply because they wanted to make sure that our ESG score was high enough. It absolutely makes me, and I know you, sick to my stomach to sit here and see conservatives, so-called conservatives here in South Carolina, roll over and play dead to the gender ideology debate. 
They really do. They run from it. They hide from it. They do not want to be labeled a bigot by a group of people that are going to label them bigots anyway. So then you've got uh, what's happening in our libraries. Why can't we get a law passed that books like this, graphic books, graphic illustrations of sex acts, why can't we get a law passed that they cannot be in the children's sections of libraries? Why is that so hard here in South Carolina? And while we're talking about that, where are our churches? Now, I know you probably know people or go to a church that speaks out against this, but in mass, it doesn't seem like the churches really want to touch this subject. In fact, we had a church here in Greenville that had a drag me to church Sunday where they encouraged you to bring a drag queen to church so that you could go see a drag queen show at church. I thought churches were supposed to be <laughs> in the world, not of the world, but apparently that is, that's not the way it is anymore. But why aren't the churches speaking out? Why aren't conservatives more uh, speaking out more? It's fear. That's all it is. For some reason, it seems like these folks are afraid of the trans community. There is literally nothing to be afraid of, except for what they want to do to our children. Remember when they used to tell us not to accept candy from strangers? Remember when a, a, a panel van driving through your neighborhood raised your concerns? Well, figuratively, that's exactly what's going on right now. They want to get at your kids. And until we have adults standing up with the backbone to stand up and fight against this, folks, I'm afraid sooner or later, they're going to get them. This is the Checkpoint Charlie Podcast.